and welcome to Movie Fixers, the podcast where we don't just critique movies, but ask ourselves, maybe they could be better? I'm your host, Tony, and with me, as always, is the A-lister in my life's drama, my co-pilot in a chopper chase for the cure, and at the end of the day, just a cute little monkey from Friends. (laughs) Me, Matt. I I don't know if I'm as cute as Marcellus from Friends, but I I, I try. Uh, You're almost as furry. That I am nearly as furry, especially right now. Man, my hair is so long. I can't tell you how much tone I, I'm debating on a daily basis to just shave all my hair off, but it's fine. Here we are. How are you doing today? <laughs> well, I'm not having the existential crisis you are. But, uh, <laughs> are you, you know, sure? Because aren't we all having one? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah, but but honestly, though, I'm I'm good being safe, being smart. So everything's everything's okay there. Well, I'm glad to hear it, uh, and I'm glad to be here talking about this movie today. We we've we've we're trying to get in a groove of doing these a little more often, and I'm excited. We're back already with another episode, and today's movie is the um, movie Outbreak from what right. year was it? Like 1995. Am I 1995. That yes, and and much like <clears throat> your parents when they wanted to get into Facebook, we too are trying to be relevant in today's times. <laughs> <laughs> and do a movie about a pandemic or an epidemic. We'll f- we'll figure that out. Yeah, we were trying to figure out a, our next movie to do, and I this was on Netflix, and I was like, oh, we should we should do that. Surely that movie needs fixing. And um, yeah, what were your what were your kind of initial feelings about it? I actually felt nostalgia from this movie, and I'm gonna go into it a lot. So let me just say, overall, it was a little bit nostalgic for a different time and a different kind of movie and I think overall I liked it yeah I totally agree I I picked this movie I mean I'm I know I saw this movie in the 90s but I haven't seen it since then and I think I I just assumed that this was going to be those one of those movies in dire need of a fixing and I'll be honest with you I I I didn't take a lot of notes in this movie because I just had a really good time I couldn't shake the feeling that this was a lot like uh this like tonally reminded me a lot of the movie Air Force One, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it turns out it's the same director and same composer. So, of course, it felt like that movie. It had a lot of the same DNA of that movie. And it's just it was a it was a fun. I mean, as fun as a pandemic can be, as we all are aware, it was just a fun. It was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And you can find this movie on Netflix right now. So it's pretty accessible. And since we did kind of an over elongated uh, synopsis of Jurassic Park three last episode, Matt. I'm thinking you can give us just a really quick uh, synopsis that somebody wrote online. Yeah, I'm gonna try and do something a little bit shorter than what you did for Jurassic Park three. Are you ready? Let's hear it. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> <clears throat> when an infectious disease enters a small town via a monkey. A team of doctors race against the clock to stop the spread and find an antidote. That that's it. That's the whole. That's the synopsis. That's that movie. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> good. Good thing I was paying attention, or at least that I watched the movie. But no, that that really does sum it up. It's 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 not a complicated story. It, it's all in the execution, which I think is what we're going to go into most of. Uh, but before we do, can I say something real quick? Just. I- you are the co-host of this podcast, so I don't know that you have to ask my permission. 
All right. Well, I just wanted to take a, a quick time out to point out that we are talking about something that might seem a little bit scary in uh, the current climate here in April 2020. Also, uh, this movie deals a lot with politics of the time, even though it's, you know, fabricated and, you know, exaggerated. I'm sure we're going to see commonalities and we might make some commentary on that. You're welcome to disagree with us. Uh, we'll tell you how to actually contact us to disagree with us at the end, but yeah, but you got to stick uh, through to the very end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the other, that's the other, uh, catch, but yeah, just, just let's all be respectful and patient with each other's opinions. And I'm not saying that to our movie fixer viewers as a whole, I think our viewers, our listeners are pretty chill, pretty cool, pretty respectful, but I just, these, these are strange times and I just wanted to go ahead and put that little caveat out there so that we can just cut up and have some fun. Uh, uh but well, well said tone. I think it's important to, um, to just be mindful of a lot of misinformation that's going around and to take take advice and take information from people who are experts and authorities. I think that's a really important important thing to keep in mind. Well, it's funny you say that, Matt, because I actually have an expert and authority on medical issues with us today to make sure we don't give any sort of misleading or fake news, if you will, in our uh, review of this this video and on our condition today. All right. Is this a fake out like when I told you we had a paleontologist for Jurassic Park 3? No. Oh, we because... have an actual guest. This is exciting. <laughs> yes. Uh, with us today and waiting patiently is Dr. Kristen Faith, uh, who we know is Chrissy. Hey, I know Hello. who. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi, Chrissy. Hi, Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Chrissy, we brought you on here because I think we're going to come up with some like medical-based questions, and we don't want to just be speculative and leave things open or get it wrong. So you're here to kind of check us on this, and you've also watched the film, so you're here to input on how the film handled things. But yes. before we go into that, do you mind telling us just a little bit of your background? I am a doctor in a hospital where I live. I, I have been working there for about five years been a doc for about 13 <laughs> the years just about go. nine nine that's accurate <laughs> hey listen Something numbers like are hard and we get them mixed Num up here all the time <laughs> numbers are hard <laughs> okay and you work in the hospital yes i do so have you seen any covid patients yet you don't have to go into detail just a yes or no yes okay uh and have you seen outbreak yes i have nice did you like it Yes, overall, I it was enjoyable. It was very much a 90s movie in some ways. <laughs> in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, overall, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, enjoyable to watch. You don't have to go into super specifics right now, but overall, the medical side of this movie, because this is a heavily... Uh, medical-themed movie, how did they do? Were they, on a scale of, like, Grey's Anatomy to Scrubs, were they were they fairly accurate or was it mostly just drama? I love that that's your scale. <laughs> Having not seen Scrubs, sorry. Um, so, so, yes, I was impressed with how accurate they were. Overall pretty good? Yeah. 
That's exciting. That was not the response I was uh, necessarily expecting. So I'm uh, I'm really glad that you're here, Chrissy. I'm really glad that we're going to get you to to weigh in on some things because Tony and I, we're really good at talking like we know what we're talking about at any given moment. But the truth (laughs) is we don't know anything. We just fake it really well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I was totally geeking out on how accurate it was. Well, that that actually makes me feel really happy. And that actually makes me like the movie a lot more. So this is going to be fun. I have another thing I want to do before we get into the movie as a whole. And that's part and due to the nostalgia I felt from this movie. Obviously, this was a very 90s movie. And what I mean by that is it has like a feel and like some tropes and maybe a few cliches even of like what made up. 90s movie culture you know dramas actions whatever it all seemed to kind of have a certain feel to it so matt i'm gonna give you a list of things yeah uh, that i felt like were the tropes of this movie and i want you to tell me a if you think i'm accurate at all if that is a thing but also if it's strictly like it's only for the 90s and it's phased out or Mm. if it's probably actually kind of carried over to this day maybe even if it's just changed so here's yeah i'm I'm here for it i think something i just want to say real quick is i you and i clearly have a penchant for 90s films um it was really like our formative younger years they those that era that decade of of cinema definitely affected the two of us a lot. And I really wish every time we did a nineties movie on this show, we had some sort of soundboard with a sound effect that was just like nineties, you know, definitely. We'll we need to one. On I, yeah. I want to come back to this, this new segment, my nineties, Tony's nineties trope segment. Nineties. <laughs> so these are the ones I saw in this movie. I love it. We're going to get that. Uh, so first off, we start out with our leading guy, and he's got to be hella likable. He has dogs, he's good with kids, he cares about the ethics, and he's white. So, Hey, what do before you, think? you go any further than that, I want to say something that I noticed, because I was watching some 90s movies today, just because that's what I do. I went back and rewatched U.S. Marshals, which was like that sort of sequel to The Fugitive, and it occurred to me that that to build on your trope just a little bit, the thing was that we had like a kind of middle-aged white dude who wasn't hot. Like that was a very nineties thing. They weren't ugly. Mm -hmm. They just like Tommy Lee Jones, Dustin Hoffman. They're not hot guys. They're not Brad Pitts. They're not young Tom Cruise. They're, they're they're very like regular looking people. And I think that was a very like hallmark of nineties trope that you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. And so that's our first one. Uh, this one, this next one is probably going to be a little controversial, but somewhere in the movie, the leading f- actress, for reasons that aren't really clear, become becomes upset and just sort of agitated and irate at the leading male actor f- just for the sake of plot um, or story. Man, I really wish I had done some homework before this conversation because I'm confident that what you're saying is true. Uh, I'm thinking of like Helen Hunt and Twister, um, mm-hmm. like things are coming to mind. I would argue in this movie, I don't know, she they're divorced. <laughs> the The main character and Rene Russo, Dustin Hoffman, Rene, they are divorced and clearly are upset with each other for reasons that divorced people are upset with yeah, each other. Yeah, but he's being... A, 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 the whole movie, he's very kind of 
patient and understanding and whatever. And she, uh, the scene I refer to specifically is he has to go away for work. He actually discovers the outbreak in Africa there. But no, she gets mad because he says, I will be back by Thursday and he doesn't come back till Sunday. So she's forced to deal with the dogs and miss one of her business trips because he didn't do what he said he was going to do, which I imagine right. is an extension of the very reason they got divorced in the first place. But if you think about it, but they it, both work for the CDC. Well, he works for the military, but yeah, they both he works the same for the job. military. Yeah. She took yeah, a yeah. job at the CDC, yeah, so, sorry, doing the... what he basically does for the military. Mm-hmm. Right, so, but but she, all that's to say, she would understand if he's going to check out something. I mean, I kind of feel like what you're, I kind of feel what you're saying, but she also didn't know that this was something that was going to blow up into a full-fledged pandemic. It was just him going to investigate a village that had had a small outbreak. I mean, again, I think this is one of those situations where if we were in that relationship and there was an existing pattern of him saying one thing and doing another, we would feel differently about her behavior than we do as an audience member. Yeah, we we get we see the out the aftermath. We don't see the relationship. That's true. I want to build on your trope and say I think this is. In the 90s, there were a lot of examples of seeing everything from the leading man's perspective and not seeing enough of the other perspective. Gotcha. Okay. That's let's label it as the label it that Cuz I think now. nowadays it's more common maybe to get more of that vo- that other voice or maybe I've just trained my brain to 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 see it more but I just kept thinking like I get where she's coming from like she's being made to be the ridiculous woman right now but mm-hmm. in real life in real divorces there's always more to the story than the the lovable Dustin Hoffman showing up with two adorable dogs and you know what I mean? Like that's, that's yeah. just the, and that's I think what that's, we yeah. saw. I'm not coming down on the character as much as I am of the writing of the character. They really just give you this little bit and yeah. I'll go into why I think they do that later. Cause it's, it's definitely in, in more stuff I want to talk about, but that, that to me was something that just felt really familiar that I felt like I hadn't seen in a while is just this kind of couple fight that yeah. you hadn't seen in a long time where it was just one side was just being completely irrational while the other side was trying to be very like calm and collected. And it was, it was like, Oh, don't miss this. But it is kind of a trope in nineties films. I think can we agree on that? Sure. All right. Uh, We've got some great dialogue in here. A lot of great one-liners. And every time we do the music loves to swell and -hmm. just really like (laughs) pump that impact. Right. Uh, You know, at one point, uh, Dustin Hoffman goes, it's airborne. And all of a sudden, the music swells. And it's just... That was the very first line that I thought of when you said this. Because it, it was the most noticeable. Um, yeah, yeah I think that where... is... I, I don't even know if I would give that just to the 90s. Because I think 80s, we saw that a little bit in the 80s as well. Um, but there was definitely a series of composers making music for movies, especially these big action films that had like the male lead and the world was in trouble that were making this, these, these movie soundtracks where the music just kind of soared. I totally agree. Okay. Uh, so I've got a couple more. I'm going to skip to my, my big ones. So the next one is the role of the blue collar workers in this film and in most films in the nineties were to be unreliable and reckless. Meaning unless it was a movie about, you know, 
store clerks or whatever, if it was a movie with big heroes, whenever they came across somebody that was just an average Joe, you know, works at the, you know, works at the plant or whatever, but has a low position, they're always the ones that are corrupt or just, you know, junkies or just messing everything up, which is definitely a big part of what happens in Outbreak. Um, maybe. What characters are you talking you about You mean the kid that started the whole thing? The kid that stole the monkey. You're talking about Patrick Dempsey? America's sweetheart, Patrick Dempsey? <laughs> that was Patrick Dempsey? Yeah, for, speaking of Grey's Anatomy, that was Patrick Dempsey. That was this, like, this was one of his very first movie roles. And he's like I a, did not he's recognize He's like a little him. baby in this movie. Um, oh. I mean, I don't know. He was just like a kid. I, I didn't even view him as like a blue collar worker or anything like that. He was just a kid trying to make a buck. Exactly. But that's just it. They they were the you know, he was the guy who did all like kind of the maintenance, the the guard at the at the uh, the exit for the facility was being paid off. It just feels like everybody who isn't like a military or medical professional is entirely incompetent in so many other ways than their ignorance to this situation. And that felt really familiar to me. Whereas nowadays we try to have a little bit more respect portraying people that may not have the most grandiose professions. I guess we should. Again, I kind of wish I'd had a chance to do a little bit more like research and thinking because I I don't think you're wrong. I'm just not drawing any examples. And I would say that a counter to that in this very movie is the I don't she wasn't a nurse. She was like a clerk at at like the town hall or something later in the film when they're trying to track down the ship. And she's like, oh, oh I know a guy fabulous. on this ship. <laughs> she was right. hilarious. They're she like, how fabulous. well do you know this guy? And she's like, better than his wife would Her like. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I almost fell out, out of my chair. It was so funny. <laughs> I I, de- I I definitely agree she's a great character. I don't think they really were portraying her in a positive light. But you're right, she was helpful to the plot. So maybe there are exceptions. So we won't we won't we won't lock down on that one. I think next. I'm, I, I'll give you this for sure. I think a, a hallmark of '90s cinema maybe is that you didn't get a lot of stories where like the everyman was the hero. They were always like you said, like in the military or a scientist or you know, I'm thinking of um, like all the Jack Ryan movies where he's a, an analyst for the FBI. And it's like everyone has some sort, even if they're like low on the totem pole, they're still like in a kind of glorified job. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm following what you're putting down. I'm just I, I, I almost wish I could put more thought into it. Mm-hmm. The irony is, is it's the opposite of what we had in Jurassic Park three, where it was a bunch of characters that were totally incompetent. <laughs> here everyone has to be competent or they're worthless uh, okay so last one and I think this one's pretty interesting because I think it may still carry over but you tell me is in these movies there is always kind of a dread a fear of the government in some form coming down and locking down an area of US soil like the government coming in and like police stating its own people I haven't seen that for a while yeah, I don't. I feel that, like that, that feels one... very '90s to me. Like I was actually thinking that it while we were watching the movie that it, like now I wouldn't have even thought of that as like being a threat or a concern. I'm curious because this one feels maybe too specific to me, but maybe it's because mm-hmm. I'm not thinking of any. I, again, I'm going through my rolodex of '90s movies, and I can't like. What are some other examples of this? 
that you can uh, the think The Siege of. was, like, all about that. That was, like, the whole plot of the movie. I've never seen that movie. I've, I don't oh. know that I've seen many Steven Seagal movies, if I've seen any Steven Seagal movies. No, wait. That's Under Siege. Oh, my the God. Siege. There's a movie called Under Siege, and there's a movie called The Siege. Of course there is. <laughs> I don't think I've seen either of them. Uh, it's Bruce Willis. I think Denzel Washington. Uh, huh. we'll, I mean, we'll a movie to, called we'll The Siege certainly seems like it's about the government sieging control that, over a that's town. That's the obvious one, but I think it was feeding off like kind of a a niche that people were were think were kind of concerned about or interested in, sort of sort of like your dramatic horror. Hmm. I would on, say of, of right all now. the tropes you've mentioned, this one's the one that kind of speaks to me the least. I I, I can't really think of anything that I've seen or enjoyed or can remember, I guess more specifically, that lines up with this. But I, yeah, I, I do think that all of your other tropes have been really spot on that they're, they're, they're total marks of what happened a lot in 90 cinema. All right. Well, and I just looked it up just so we can, we can put a linchpin in this. It was 1998, the siege starring Denzel Washington, Annette Benning, Bruce Willis, Tony Shalhoub, and uh, the secret U.S. abduction of a suspected terrorist leads to a wave of terrorist attacks in New York City, which leads to the declaration of martial law. Wow, that was 98. Well, you we might have uh, to check that out, see if it's movie fixers worthy. Yeah, I'm on board. I, I think it'd be fun to to do a movie I've never actually seen before. We We do typically do movies on this show that one or both of us have seen, you know, enough that we mm-hmm. remember it. Right. Well, all right. That was enough of me segueing. I think. Thank, thanks for indulging me in that fun little <clears throat> one ride more time, of... just as a segue. Nineties. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so then, shall we get started by talking about the things we liked in this movie? Matt, do you want to lead us off? Uh, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, I've already mentioned that I like this director and I like this composer. So like just the general feel of this movie, big fan of it reminded me of all kinds of, as, as you've pointed out, all kinds of nineties movies that I just loved watching. And I loved watching over it. Like even bad ones. I was thinking today, like I used to love watching the movie volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. It's not a good movie, but I just enjoyed watching it because they've got a feel to them that I think is kind of built on these tropes. Um, and that but, director is uh, Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang Peterson. I think it is Wolfgang mm-hmm. Peterson. I think you're right. Um, I, I'm just gonna sh- gonna say it. The thing I liked the most about this movie it is it is it a full is it th- hmm what am I trying to say here is that it is a full fledged who's who of '90s actors and actresses. And by that I mean actors because there's like no. At, Another trope of the 90s that we didn't really talk about is how there's one female character in this movie that has any real screen time and everyone else is a guy. Every Mm -hmm. single other person. That's something that you would definitely not see nearly as much in modern movies. Now you get a lot more, you know, representation. I mean, it's still not perfect by any stretch, but obviously I think this is a great example of a huge difference from representation today versus representation in 1995. But this movie has Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey back before he was super problematic. 
Um, I guess technically this was when he was still problematic. We just didn't know it yet. Uh, exactly. Cuba Gooding Jr., Donald Sutherland looking exactly like Keith or Sutherland looks today, by the way. Like, right? I, I had to keep retraining Thank my you. Brain. I was thinking that too. Oh, it's crazy because I think he's actually younger in this movie than Kiefer Sutherland is now, but Kiefer Sutherland looks younger now. If that we makes can any do sense. more with makeup and effects than they could back then. That's true. I also think men just generally take care of their skin better now, you know, care a little bit more about how they present themselves. Maybe, I don't know, but yeah, this movie just had anyone and everyone in it. It, it was just crazy one after another, like, Oh, that's so-and-so. Oh, that's so-and-so. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I, yeah. And then I guess finally, I'll just say this was a fun movie. This was a reminder of why I like nineties movies. They're just fun. So what about you guys? I, I'd like to expand a little bit just on the cast. Cause you're right. A great who's who, uh, but but specifically, I really liked the back and forth banter between Dustin Hoffman and Kevin Spacey and Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. I, I thought their charisma uh, was just great. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, of course, is great pretty much all the time. And so are they pretty much all the time. So it's, it seems like a hard way to strike out. But we've seen we've seen just like in Jurassic Park three good actors fall flat because of bad writing or bad timing or a lot of other things that really isn't their fault. And this did not have that. This took advantage of its characters. So I like that. One of the things I really liked in the beginning after Cuba Gooding Jr. kind of has his freak out, you know, this is his first time seeing being in the field and seeing this sickness and he freaks out and almost dangerously exposes himself. Thankfully the virus isn't airborne uh, at the time. So he's safe, but then later he's reflecting and, and yeah, beating himself up and you know, Dustin Hoffman does this whole, he's like, I was afraid. I just, I was afraid. And Dustin Hoffman's like, you know, fear gets a bad rep. I don't want anybody on my team that's not afraid. And I'm like, that's a great line. Like, that's just a great yeah. summary. And it says so much about him. It says so much about kind of what they're going to be doing. And it was this great uplifting moment to bring the new rookie kind of like back in and say, yeah, you screwed up. But that's okay. And I was just like, like that could have been written, that could have taken paragraphs to write. It could have been written horribly. Instead, in like kind of one quick line, I was just like, dang, nailed it. And so I really liked that. Yeah, I really wish I had taken better notes when I was watching this because there were a few times in this movie where characters had little one liners that I was like, man, that was actually that was that was something I needed to hear right now. In April 2020. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, another time when Dustin Hoffman, I feel like, saved a scene that would have been absolutely wretched is there's a bit near the end where they're trying to track down the monkey. It's lost in the woods and they find this little girl who's been like who's made friends with it. And this could have been one of those scenes where he's got to like explain to her what she needs to do and kids in movies. It's always terrible. And this kid's no exception, but Dustin Hoffman kind of gets down and he just gets real personal with her and it's charming. Like I hate to admit it, like, but it's charming. And I'm like, man, if this was anybody else, this scene would just be, bleh. but yeah, that, that's feel- something we, we kind of touch on on this show sometimes is child actors in general. And I think actors that can make scenes with a child actor work, are, mm-hmm. are just really flexing their muscles of like, look how good of an actor I am because it's just, right. it's hard, you know, it's hard Did to he... be in a room with a child sometimes, much less act in a fictional scene. <laughs> right. Did he do this before or after hook? 
95. Um, this would have been after, I'm pretty after. sure, because I want to say Hook was earlier in the 90s. So he definitely had the experience. Not that he probably didn't before Hook, but yeah, he, he definitely brought brought those chops over. So Hook I really was, like that. Hook was 1991. Cool. Um, one other thing, I, I don't, I can't say I liked this because it's a terrible moment in the movie, but something I felt was very believable and kind of scary accurate was when we cut away from the town that's infected and just see this powwow of government officials debating what to do. And they very callously and very quickly just decide it's safer just to, you know, blow it away, burn it down and kill everybody there, suffer that collateral damage than to risk exposure and risk outbreak, if you will. And I was like the way that whole scene played out from start to finish Nobody was particularly like evil. They were just all were, and and not in any sort of like over dramatic way. I'm like that felt a little too real and was just a little too scary. <laughs> but it was a good scene, you know. It really, it really drives home the drama that's going to be like coming in in spades now that there's that that's the race for the cure as starts now. Yeah, and it's a very uh, it's a very contemporary sort of discussion because, and you know, not. I know we said we might get a little political in this this episode, but not to get too far into it. But, you know, there's tons of people that think right now that that we need to, you know, reopen the country, get everybody back out there, get all these businesses open and and that it's it's worth the loss of life that, oh, if it's only affecting this percent of the population, then is it mm-hmm. worth, you know, hurting the economy like this? And I'm just like, how callous do you have to be to be like, well, yeah, obviously, you, you know, this, this group of people can die to, for, for everyone else. It's just, it's so callous. And that that's exactly what that scene is, is, is I, I actually, I, I'm with you. I really like the way that scene was written because it was written in a way where he's like, I want every single expert that you can possibly get me right now to justify why this is the plan. Right. And, and make it sound right. And it was like, yep, that's, that's what can happen is a bunch of people can go on and say, this makes perfect sense, regardless of the ethics, the morals, the truth of it. And yeah, I, that's not just a nineties thing. Unfortunately, that's things we see today. For sure. Uh, but just to bring us back up a little bit, cause woo, uh, the last <laughs> thing I say, I really liked in this were the dogs. They were adorable. Yeah, my only real gripe is that the, the I wanted more dogs. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's got these two. What are they like? Uh, I think like one the of them's a, like a like a, a lab, Bernard. like a golden Saint lab. Saint Bernard, right? Yeah, I think they're both Saint Bernard. Bernard's oh, or some they? sort of hybrid. They were the same yeah, color. They I think they were brothers. I think they were littermates. Oh, who knows? They again, they didn't get massive. enough of their narrative. And and what's great is is you know because Dustin Hoffman's kind of small, uh, you know, for an actor. He's I think five six. I mean, he's but. small for a human. <laughs> Rude. I, I, this coming from someone who's five foot four. Calm down. <laughs> I think My he's point. like an inch, possibly two inches taller than me. It's it just seeing him with those dogs and getting the love on those dogs. And it just there's a there's a scene where before things get serious, where he's bathing the dogs and he gets a call and it goes to voicemail. And Morgan Freeman, his superior is like, pick up. You got to pick up. So he 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 runs to the phone. And the dogs run out of the bath and get on the couch. And I'm like, this is just this I is love just adorable. that scene. I love that I scene. Uh, real quick, because I looked it up. He's five foot five and three quarters. Which Man, we're pulling I mean, the facts what, today. What hateful person wouldn't just give him five foot six? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, before we get into what we didn't like, which I, I'm I'm just going to assume is not a lot from either of us, I do want to hear from Chrissy. Chrissy, I know we've already talked a lot about the cast and the music and, and a lot of things. Was there anything we haven't already talked about that you really liked about this movie? So I think I mentioned it briefly. I liked... I mean, 25 years ago, I liked that whoever was their medical advisor was legit. Like, like in terms of when they were describing the different degrees of illness, as like the fact that in all of the scenes they were using appropriate medical equipment, like, I yeah, I don't know. Like, e even I was having some manic envy. <laughs> I was thinking that at one point when we were watching it, that, you know, they just have PPE for days in this movie. <laughs> How nice know, that must be. I know, I <laughs> I was like, I want those outfits. <laughs> right. I, I do like that they, they paid a lot of attention to quarantine protocol. Yeah. And I mean, as someone who's not a doctor, I just, I felt like this movie seemed pretty representative of, of a lot of the processes. Something that I wanted to ask you about the, when they, when they start looking at the, the like the super hyper close up of the virus, I don't know how, how involved in like virology you are, but was there any accuracy to those like super extreme close ups of the, the virus? Um, that was Ebola. Oh, that was Ebola. Yeah. That was actually Ebola. Yeah. What about the when they showed the side by side of the evolved strain that had tines that allowed it to be airborne or whatever? Was there anything truthful to that? I I honestly don't know. That's fine. You you can say you don't know. That's totally fine. I was just I was really curious how accurate um that part was. I I know that they can tell a difference when a virus has mutated, has evolved that they they sometimes they are able to like if it can swim, uh, access a different type of tissue, they'll see new changes on it. But I, I don't know. I mean, one good thing about Ebola is it's always, it has not evolved. And so always looks like that. Well, that's nice. It's, it's nice that some things stay the same, including Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, sorry, I'm just, I'm not going to ask questions for the rest of the podcast, I swear, but, um, when they finally locate the monkey, who's like the original host and they get the monkey there and they just start churning out the, 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 the anti-serum or whatever they call it. It that's that timeline's not realistic, right? Like it doesn't just happen. Not a chance. Okay. No. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> that can't be right. That seems very optimistic. <laughs> uh -uh. Oh, well. One can dream. That's why we watch movies for the escape mm -hmm. and to feel good about these sorts of things. Definitely. Yeah. They've got to be given a little bit of cheat the timeline freedom there. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Chrissy, something of uh, full disclosure. We watched the movie together. Uh, I know I made it. I asked you if you liked it. Like I didn't, or if you'd As seen if it, you like, didn't I didn't know. know. Well, that's right. fine. But <laughs> I don't, I wonder if the audience thinks I didn't know she was actually going to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just pull back the curtain. Here's it's the sausage. It's movie magic, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Chrissy, there are a few things. Uh, something uh, viewers you may not know about Chrissy is she tends to talk through movies. It's allowed when we're at home. I have to shush her when in the theater, so don't worry. She doesn't do it there. Uh, but but when we're at home, uh, she talks through the movies. So as things were happening, 
you would start talking about something and not long after they would follow up and almost verbatim say what you were saying to me. Cause I, I and to be fair, I was prompting you with questions a couple of times because I was interested. Uh, like when they, they, they were the, they find the outbreak in Africa in Zaire and they start burning it all down. And we were talking about how, things like Ebola that can kill at this level. Cause you see like all the different levels of the medical building and like what viruses they deal with and how it gets more and more secure. And so these really dangerous ones, it's like the reason it, it's not as likely to spread. Like we have something with COVID now is because it kills people too fast. The symptoms show up and they go out and you're telling me all this. And then literally not five minutes later, the movie's covering that with this virus. Like Morgan Freeman's making the argument that it's no big deal. This isn't going to be a big deal. He's trying to find reasons to like kind of push it on the rug. He has an he has an agenda. He's he's not being concerned for negative reasons. There's there should always be concern. But he's saying you know you know it's going to kill people. Look at how fast they died. Look at how it wipes them out. It's going to die out there on its own. I was like crap. You just said that. But they there were multiple times there was a point where Rene Russo's character saw someone coding and they're behind all the plastic and everything. And uh, I'm going to get the terminology wrong. So you correct me in, in a second here, but they were like, should we go in there? And she was like, no, because by the time they got all their gear on and everything, he would be dead because he was going to die. He was just, he was done. And at the same time, like, and it was just one of those things like you were like, that's actually the right call. Like, can you expand on that scene a little bit more? I'm describing it terribly i thought you described it pretty well yeah i just want to say i thought you described it really well too but you you explained to me why that was a good idea and then again the movie then explains it so she doesn't seem heartless and i was just like oh wow that's that's like what you just told me it was it was (laughs) that and over and over again there was a uh sort of a, a semi joke about how they were uh morgan freeman was sending dustin hoffman to new mexico which is where we live uh, and then you explained to me that that's actually in reference to something out here. Uh-huh. I, so there's a specific virus in some of the mountains of New Mexico that um, is higher level. It looks, it is fairly deadly. And I, I think during the time that they are filming, it was probably one of the one of the times that they were having several cases down here. Um, it's called Hantavirus. Um, and and so the fact that they were going to send him down here to virus that we we we've training here, we've heard about it, um, but haven't seen cases, but all, but know all the symptoms and know what to watch for and know what questions to ask. It was really funny to then hear that mentioned in a Hollywood movie. Yeah, it was just, that was a cool, fun side experience I had mm-hmm. watching it with you. So just thought I'd put that into the things I liked. Well, I think we've, we've, we've really talked a lot about what we liked in this movie, which is a lot of things, um, which is not always the case on this podcast. Uh, let's take a second and talk about things we might not have liked. Was there, was there anything, uh, I'm gonna let you guys go first because I'm just going to spoil it for you. I don't really have much of anything. Oh, I've got a few things. Not, not as long a list. Uh, I, I just, I did not care for the kind of 
mandatory relationship B plot between Dustin Hoffman and Renee Russo. Uh, I think, like you said, she was the only actress that got any real prominent screen time. And while she was competent and Renee Russo is a great actress, uh, I just I feel like it was a little bit underplayed by their whole sort of bickering relationship that, like you said, we didn't know all the details. So she just comes off as looking kind of like aggravating. And there probably is more to it, but it, we there was no reason to focus on that. And so I just felt like th- this needed to be... I mean, and we do see this. We see this, like you say, in Twister and everything else, where it's like the broken up couple now have to work together again. And I just... I don't like that trope. I just... I it, That just should have stayed in... The, I guess it was the 90s, but I'm ready to leave that to the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it so much. I... But to to go back to Twister, I think movies like Twister did it better. I think the only thing that sort of saved it in this movie was that she was she was also a virologist. She also, you know, she took the job at the CDC. I wish they'd played her up her side of things more, not just in the relationship, but also professionally. I think it would have been more interesting if she played a bigger role in you know, figuring out this virus and figuring out because she bordered at times on damsel in distress. She wasn't quite, but she was almost there a couple times. She kind of was at the end. I mean, not that it was her fault. It was, you know, this is a virus. So the unexpected happens, but yeah, when she got sick and all of a sudden now the time now it's personal. Yeah. She's then she became, then she became just sort of a victim and yeah. no longer active in the movie where all the guys had then this was very and also she was the civilian representation. This was a very uh just military centric and not that Which I'm saying again, that's bad, I think but... is an important voice in this story that mm-hmm. we didn't get quite enough of. The civilian, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's bad that you know for something to be positive towards the military. There are a lot of good things about our military. And to be fair, right, I've seen also pe- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And to be fair, people in the military were also villains uh, yeah. in this piece. So it, maybe that's a, there's a balance there, and, and maybe that's just a hard rope to walk, but it definitely was a fault. Uh, something else that uh, just I could not get over was Kevin Spacey's hair and the way they dyed it red. <laughs> I love when we do movies like this where we kind of have to scrape the barrel for the things we didn't like. <laughs> Um, it's funny you say that because one of my only gripes in this movie, um, again, his personal life and everything else aside, I think Kevin Spacey's a really fantastic actor and I didn't love him in this movie. There's a few scenes where I just feel like he was theater acting. You know what I mean? Like he was acting for the back row mm-hmm. and not film acting. And maybe it's because he'd done a lot of theater and hadn't done a lot of film at this point. I'm not well, really sure. He does ham it up a lot. I think that was his character was a bit of a ham and he would just play it up a lot. Maybe, maybe I just, it felt out of place because for the most part, most of the performances in this movie are pretty grounded. Uh, they're pretty, you know, believable, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman's killing it, you know, Donald Sutherland's mm-hmm. killing it. Like everyone's just doing, doing, doing great work in this movie. And you've got Kevin Spacey who kind of feels like the guy that, that is just really excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know, especially his his scene, uh, his like deathbed scene just felt very I mean, part of that I would blame on the makeup, like 
for some reason, this virus causes everyone to look like lepers. And I, I just, I don't know. I can't imagine that that's incredibly accurate. The scenes mm-hmm. of people with like blood coming out of their eyes. I'm like, I feel like a nurse um, would have kind of cleaned that up a little bit. I don't imagine well, they just lay there in their own blood. Yeah, I, I was going to touch on that, but I had an experience today uh, that that really changed my mind. One of the things I was going to complain about is how every civilian in this is just the stupidest version of a civilian you could possibly see from the guy who's coughing and just coughing on people in the movie theater and the people just like, like in the line for concessions and everybody just sort of like almost like walking into him to get infected. And the, the rednecks that are trying to escape on their truck and shoot at a helicopter, which then leads to them just getting wasted but, it, it but was, again, that's so contemporary because there are people today in this month and year and time uh, that believe that this whole quarantine thing is just the government trying to keep us under control and under their thumb. And those 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 rednecks in the truck that you're talking about are real human beings that exist in this world. And we oh, know yeah. some of them. You yeah, know what I mean? It's not, like, yeah, it's it's not just the rednecks. Uh, it's you know, it's it's just all the people not taking not being smart in a situation and it looks stupid when you want they they look stupid when you watch it from a movie but i uh today we we had to go shopping today because it's been the first time in a month since we've been out and you know we gloves mask you know distance all that stuff and then i'm i'm out at a store and i see people that have to be over 65 walking around barehanded you know no mask walking right past me you know no distant no social distancing no taking any of it seriously and i'm like you're the person who's susceptible to this like more than i am and we all are but you're the person who's at risk i'm this is this is gonna benefit you more than anybody and it was just i was like nope i I checked this off my list people can be stupid in these scenarios and it was tragically a little bit more believable than i wanted it to be yeah it's a it's a real shame that's for sure But on the plus side, there are competent people out there, too, like in this movie, that are working really hard. Uh, Chrissy, you being one of them. Yeah, one of them is on this podcast, and we we can't thank her enough for what she's doing. And you've told me good stories about where you work and things like that and how they're being safe. So Mm -hmm. it's not all doom and gloom, but I hate hate to keep bringing it down with that. But I, uh, yeah, I just, I had to point out how that was on my list of things I didn't like. And then it was like, nope, nope, got to take it off now. Listen, I think we're doing a great job for us to do a movie like Outbreak during a global pandemic and be not as doom and gloom as we could be, I think, is an accomplishment. <laughs> well, and the re- the reason we picked this uh, is, is twofold. One, it's good to embrace things that are scary in a safe manner like this and kind of recognize and realize it so it takes some of that fear away. But two, there's kind of a like a fantasy in seeing something like this while it's happening and seeing it go successfully oh for sure i so i watched i i'm going to use the term loosely i watched this movie a few weeks ago when i was getting moved into my new apartment because it was on netflix it was recommended i'm like oh that could be fun and i remember uh one of my roommates asking me like why on earth would you watch outbreak right now during this time and i told him it's like we watch these sorts of movies because we get the escape of a conclusion you know right now all this stuff that we're dealing with doesn't have an end date on it as much as some people in leadership want to just slap one on there that there's not one. We don't know that all of this is going to be over by this date. So it's nice 
to watch a movie where even though in this movie there's like a whole conspiracy because it's an engineered you know thing or whatever but there's still like there's a conclusion and a resolution that feels satisfying and you walk away feeling like okay well if if this can happen in this movie maybe you know it is possible here in the real world in this real problem we're going to see an end to this yeah absolutely uh chrissy was there anything that we didn't mention that you didn't really care for in this movie or was there anything we did mention that maybe we got wrong and you need to correct us on a couple of little things like i got used to it but i felt like there's a a bit of a tonal shift there was a little bit jarring going from the trying to control this outbreak figure it out oh my goodness it's um now spreading in a different way and then suddenly jumping to chasing rednecks in a helicopter chase it felt like those part the helicopter chase that that whole aspect of it the buddy buddy aspect was was very enjoyable, but at the same time was still a little bit a little bit of a tonal shift that was a little bit jarring to watch. You're talking about the chase at the end where Cuba Gooding and Dustin Hoffman have to race to find the monkey, race to get the race to get all the things back, and they're being chased by their own army right now because the bad guy or military because the bad guys are are trying to stop them. They're trying to cover up the fact that they've had a cure and that they've known about this, or not a cure, but they've had the virus and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I think I see what you're getting at. Like it, the first half of the movie felt a little more, a little bit more cerebral, a little more science thriller detective. Right. And then it bit. kind of switched to a, uh, an action film. Like, right. Right. Really exactly. Was, like, yeah. A, yeah, no, I see and what you're was, saying. And that like that, the action film part wasn't bad. It was just to do that in two different, in, in one movie was just a little bit of a, uh, I you know what also, I didn't really notice it, but I I definitely see what you're saying. I think that maybe be part of that is 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 a product of it was the '90s and there needs to be yeah. more explosions. That's true. Yeah, we're talking um, about science too much. We got to blow something up, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little things. I don't know why he took off his helmet. I thought that was really dumb. Because he loved her. Yeah, I know. No, no. But, he, but he knows better. Um, <laughs> sorry. That, that's at the end of the movie where yeah. they've got the, the cure or whatever, or they're going to get the cure, and he's not going to let her die you know, alone while he's behind this super suit. So he takes it off, and now they're both infected. Oh, no, but I love you so much. Let's yeah. get back together. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that he felt confident so confident that he was going to find he was going to get this host and they were going to get the 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 anti-serum and that's why he did it i don't know i mean again yeah that it's it's a movie and and, <laughs> and, and why did the centrifuge blow up okay oh, yeah. it's funny that you ask that because it, that did not really seem that strange to me but i was watching it with my roommate josh and he was like why did that blow up and i'm like actually i have no i have no clue so so one of the, the, the where this is in the movie is is the first person, one of the people to get infected by the monkey now that it's been like escaped from the labs. It's been brought over to America. Somebody stole it from the labs, sold it. And now I think it was the pet owner got sick or the pet store owner got sick. Right. And they're checking his blood and the guy checking his blood 
basically uh you know opens like the stuck centrifuge his finger and in it, the it was like right. yeah it was like it was still spinning or something and just a right. whole cacophony of blood like samples blood went in everywhere his face. and they just sent him home yeah that was the thing that you said they did wrong home. yeah <laughs> like you said they did no tests they should they would have quarantined him there's there's no medical facility that would have just let him go to a movie that night right after his whole face got split spread with blood <laughs> Well, you know, I, I guess that's it. The whole movie just fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no, that's true. Cause... That's true. If we fix that, we don't have rest of the movie. <laughs> Is this one of those situations where if they'd done their due diligence there, then the the the, the events that followed would not have happened? Yeah. Sorry, well, guys. <laughs> yeah, we 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 got to be careful. So I think moving into our fix. Yeah, I'd like to say really quickly, I want to preserve this 1995 version of Outbreak. I don't think we need to necessarily fix it like this movie should change or necessarily could have been better. I think this movie needs to stay here, but we need to take the the architecture. Like a time capsule. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like yeah. Freezing in time. It's, it's a great representation of just 90s cinema uh, in America, and I love it. So what I propose is we take the blueprints and we now build a modern day outbreak out of that movie. And we talk about what we want to restructure. I, I, I'm 100% behind you here. I, I think this movie doesn't need to be fixed. Um, it Like you said, it's, it is a great little snapshot of exactly what outbreak should have been in 1995, no more, no mm -hmm. less. Um, but I think especially with things that are happening today, it would be interesting to theorize a little as to what we think a modernization, a modern remake would look like. I'm hundred percent there. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. So, so the thing I want to keep in this is I like the competency of everybody involved. Everybody's very smart. Some of them have, nefarious means uh do we want to keep it that way does that seem like something that would hold up in today's outbreak that there is more knowledge than you know is being let on and there are people trying to to keep it quiet does that sound like something that's believable in today's days day and age absolutely and i i think it, we would further that with the introduction of as we've mentioned earlier in this episode the the amount of misinformation um i think I think we definitely want to have these characters that are authorities in their fields that are good at what they do, that aren't bumbling idiots. Um, but I think one of the things that we'd want to see them combat in this modern telling is in addition to the actual spread of a virus, the spread of misinformation, because that's mm -hmm. as, as dangerous it seems nowadays than right. the, the physical virus. Right. Definitely. Okay. So that'll be kind of, that would be a, a better B plot than, uh, you know, Rene Russo or whoever we recast just being upset for reasons that we can't go into. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't I really don't mind keeping that relationship. I just like I said, I want her to be on equal footing. I want mm -hmm. this movie to not yeah, be but... about the Dustin Hoffman character with her just playing foil to him. Like, I want her to be as big of a role. In fact, I would love to see. You know the team. Yeah, see, see what like, makes like them the a good four of team. Them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would love to see them as two professionals in a dire situation. Put aside their their differences and their personal stuff a little bit more. Right. 
in order to be like, no, we this is this is what's important. Let's do this. I think that's a more believable story. I think it's a more interesting mm-hmm. story. That's Can what I, I and see. I'd like to expand on that because she's civilian medicine, he's military. I would like to see the 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 compare and contrast of them having the same job but being from two different sides of it and the benefits and the pros and cons if you will of both sides because there are things where the military can be very decisive very mm-hmm. you know structured but maybe that hurts them at some point and that's when you know her side comes in and it's different or i don't know maybe i'm wrong but if there i feel like there could be something there to like explore upon and we see we see the workings of how this sort of stuff really gets solved and i think that could be really interesting i mean yeah we'll still have some drama we'll definitely need good characters i mean shoot i'd almost you know uh, Kevin Spacey aside, bring back this cast, but uh, <laughs> for sure, no, I completely agree. Um, I feel like no, no real character in this movie, except maybe Cuba G- Gooding Jr.'s character, because he's supposed to be a rookie, like is really attached to the mm-hmm. age that they were at. Um, he can take Kevin Spacey's role. <laughs> that, there we go, deal, and we can get Donald Glover to play his role. <laughs> yes. I'm 100. I'm 100 for this on oh, board. I'm gonna get some. Normally... I was gonna say Michael B. Jordan, but Ooh, yeah. honestly, if if listen, if yeah. if uh, <laughs> if Donald Glover's busy, we'll call Michael. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Sounds good. We um, don't normally do this on movie fixes. We don't normally start casting, but I feel like we should start. Yeah, well, this, this one's easy since we're recasting most of the same movie. Um, and, and I just we're, we're re- rebooting it or remaking it, if yeah. you will. So yeah. So I just I want to just elaborate a little bit more on what you're saying because I I've I've had kind of a fascination and an interest with World Health World Health Organization and the CDC even kind of before everything that's going on right now and I would absolutely have loved to have seen more of that side of the story in this movie. I mean, we saw a little bit of her at her job um and her role, but I I I, I just really think I want them to be on equal footing. I want to see mm-hmm. the two different agencies and their approach to this and the pros and cons of both. Like, I think that's a very yeah. important element to this new movie that we're talking about. So with like, this and new... even if go ahead, Chrissy, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say like, even if, if they didn't have a, a marital conflict or, or whatever, like, if if he, instead of starting with a scene with boxes, if you had the two of them like sitting down after this is, sounds really geeky, sitting down after work and just kind of griping about their different jobs, and it's mm-hmm. almost the the two different de- departments. That I see what you're saying. So and, maybe they and, are and married, that, that a married, to... a married couple, but they're not. We're not having like the whole divorce storyline. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I kind of like the, the like, divorce storyline as a as a jumping off point for these characters' personal lives, but I, I I'm with you. It would be interesting if they actually didn't have that conflict, and their conflict like was it, more about well, no, this is how the military does it. Well, it's like well, no, this is how yeah. the civilian life does it. Like if that was more their conflict, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like almost the two organizations are divorced, and then they have to come together. Ooh, well said. Thank you. <laughs> And again, Excellent. that feels very contemporary with everything that's right. going on right now. Like we do feel uh, this division right now between the government's response to things versus civilians response to things. I mean, there's certain areas where there's overlap for sure, but there's certain areas where it's like 
completely polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there's room in we, we've talked about how the civilians like just the general populace in this movie were terrible and how believable that is. That's definitely something we want to modernize and put back in this film. Right. Just give it a new coat of paint, add some social media uh, and and go in there. Is there anything specific? There's going to be at least one dumb influencer. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. There will be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think what we want to represent in this is that in on both sides, I mean, not that there's two sides, but on, on the two sides that we're talking about, there are people that know what they're talking about and are trying to get the correct information out. And there are people that, that aren't. And I think we'd want to represent that on both sides. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I meant more just then the, the people receiving the information that populace see a little bit of their struggle to know what to listen to. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Cause in this movie, we get very little perspective from like the general population. Like the, probably right. the most that we get um, is that the mom that ends up Ugh. sick and she gets taken away, which I mean, I kind of she- liked that story. I thought it was weird that she was the only one in that whole long line of people that brought like a bag with her with stuff and literally nobody yeah. else is carrying things. That was sort of weird, but I think it would be interesting to see a little bit more perspective from the every person, but instead I'll, of I'll just what I didn't like about that scene, there was some, what I didn't like about that scene though, was what they really played up was just how scary the, the military looked taking her away and how she was being taken away and carted off when really, no, they're trying to a protect everybody else who isn't infected and B, you know, do their best to take care of those who are. And so they need to be separated. This needs to be happening. So if, if we're going to show that it needs to start off as looking scary, but then be revealed. It's like, no, these are these scary. What's scary is what's happening. These things that are happening are strange. We've got to listen to the experts. And that sort of needs yeah. to be like the evolution. I maybe again, because we want to show a conclusion that isn't just doom and gloom. We need to show people learning to realize there are experts and they need to be listened to and realize that things have shifted and are different. And you can't just hold on to the way things were when it was, you know, not this way. And, and yeah, and it might be out. interesting to have a character in this new version. That's more on the ground, you mm-hmm. know, someone that, yeah. is, cause, cause right now in general, every military person we meet is, is sort of depicted as an antagonist. Um, to have someone who's on the ground who who really believes that what they're doing there is is saving lives by getting people separated and I mean again like social distancing right mm-hmm. and seeing maybe and and when I don't know I don't know if we're gonna keep the whole possibly wipe out the whole town or not but if we do then maybe that same person sees that like that's not what I'm doing that's not what I'm here for that's not what what this is about mm-hmm and reacting to that. But you're right. I mean, I, they're like, all depicted in, in these like s- scary, terrifying gas masks and they all look like villains. And I mean, it's like you said, they're, they're taking her away for a good reason. They're not taking mm-hmm. her away to be dicks. 
So I think that the struggle is you, you instead of having our kind of 90s chopper chase for the cure, I think the final struggle of this movie is going to be how do we get the right information out so that people will listen? We have the information, we, we have what we need, but now we need, I think the real cure, if you will, like there's the cure, but then the real solution is the is citizens have to come together. We have to work as a unit and be, you know, and, and follow the right procedures for this to be effective, even for the cure to really get out and reach people in time once they come up with this cure. So the, like a community coming together to help yeah. the rest of the community type thing. So I like the final act is, is how do we get this message out so that people will listen, especially in a, in a modern time when there's so many messages and people don't know how to listen. Well, and I, and, I like this a lot because this is a great, a great opportunity for the CDC side of things to really shine in the final act in helping mm-hmm. to get that information out. And then people yeah. then taking it. And I mean, something we're seeing right now today is that we as a, as a community have to be the ones to collectively get our head on straight and, mm-hmm. and follow these social distancing guidelines. And I think you're right. I think that it's, it's not the chopper chase for the cure. It's the, the, information chase for the truth that's mm-hmm. that's the final act yeah. of this movie i love this i this is a this is great yeah it's actually making me feel really good because um, again in a modern telling i think we'd want to acknowledge the fact that even when he finds the monkey it's not like he's gonna walk into a lab and come out with an armful of the cure like that's just mm-hmm. not how it works and we wouldn't want to mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to depict it that way in this movie we'd want to depict it in in a, the very the more truthful way, which is, listen, guys, we have an answer. It's not going to fix things overnight. You're not going to get to like everything's not going to be okay by tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. But if we all if we can all do this together, if we can all make the sacrifice together, we can survive this. And that's and how the ins- message. And how inspiring that would be for an audience now to see, just like yeah, you know, you know, like that's the solution is forgive me, we pull our heads out of our asses, we stop panicking, and and we all do our part. Listen, we stop and, buying all of the toilet paper. We just right? don't do it. <laughs> oh my golly. <laughs> uh, we, had to, we had to get one in. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this uh, in, in a lot of ways. How about you guys? Uh, one idea, um, just thinking about, well, who would be the person on the ground? Uh, the how the military had basically blocked off helicopter chased all of the news out. Obviously that wouldn't happen now, but what, what if the person on the ground was like a PA for a news station or something like that? Mm-hmm. And she started trying to find the facts, the information and then spread it throughout the community, something like that. Or an independent uh, station. A lot of people don't trust uh, mainstream media now. That's another mm-hmm. another big fear is that they have political agenda as well. So there's someone we see a lot of channels now on, you know, your YouTubes and stuff like that that strive really hard to be uh, non-biased and present facts and things like that. And in this day and age, they could be where people start learning to to trust again information. Here's what I want. I want a male nurse who's on the ground and a female vlogger, and that's our duo on the ground that's trying to get the information out. I like it. Love it. Who's uh, We're going to have Emma Stone 
as, as our vlogger. What sucks is I don't think we can uh, proposition this to Hollywood, A, because they're not making movies right now, but B, because we're doing this based off the entire fact that we're remaking Outbreak. That's true. But let's be so honest. Just... I mean, how long is it going to be? Like, once this is starting to see, like, an end, a conclusion... How long before Netflix makes a movie about all this? Like, let's be very honest with ourselves. They're writing them right now. I promise right. you. There are I'd so many unemployed screenwriters at home right now writing this movie to hopefully be the first <laughs> one to get purchased mm-hmm. the minute that starts happening. Hey, we we could be it, MFers. If we all band together, we could write the, we could find whoever owns Outbreak and and pitch to them Outbreak the remake. Honestly, we're going to have to cancel this episode right now because we don't want someone else stealing our ideas. (laughs) Oh, no, but it's so good. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I feel I feel really happy with this. Like, as usual, we've we've just pitched a movie that I would totally love to watch. I'll call Dustin Hoffman when we finish recording, be like, Dustin, baby, I got an idea for you. And he's going to be like, Matt, is it 90s? (laughs) No, you gotta call Wolfgang Peterson. I, I think he's dead. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't, don't do that to me, man. Not this I, far. I may be. I'm I looking may be it up wrong. right now. I may be wrong. On, I'm, I'm looking, looking it up right up. now. Wolfgang. Uh, Somewhere in the background, no, nope, there has to be. IMDb just says born March 14, 1941. There's no end date. Wolfgang, stay Wolfgang's with us, man. Wolfgang's still around. Stay okay, safe. cool. I'll call Wolfgang Excellent. after I call. I'll get. You know what? I'll get Dustin to call Wolfgang. Yeah, they're much closer. That's, that's, than, yeah, perfect. Than we that's are. great. Whew, well, all right. Good job, everybody. Uh, just a good wind down from from kind of some heavy heavy talk. Uh, with all this uh, extra quarantine time, what have uh, what have you guys been been ingesting content wise uh, lately? Chrissy, you go first. What what are you watching? What what does someone like Chrissy watch? Yeah, watching, reading, playing. Um, if anybody's heard of the author N.K. Jemison, she is fantastic. I'd recommend all of her books. Can you spell her I'm name real re- quick? Uh, N period K period J E M I S I N. Cool, thank you. What and kind what of she what kind of books? Just a, a quick like what what kind of books are we talking about here? A kind of a um adventure fantasy series um the one i'm reading right now it's set in like a lawrence of arabia type setting and and each book kind of and there's main gods and godlings and there's different types of magic in the world and each book kind of follows a different character and the consequences of what happened in that book fall into the next one but each i voice is a new character each time so it's kind of it focuses on the world but also to focuses on the very personal part i don't know it's a, it's a lot of fun hmm. that sounds interesting i'm here for what it we, i like what been, i like fantasy watching tone what about you what have you been watching reading playing painting i don't know what are you what are you doing so yesterday i just finished the third episode of the podcast fake doctors real friends which is uh for those of you who are familiar with the show scrubs it features zach braff who is jd and donald Faison, who is turk and they're basically uh, much like the Office Ladies podcast that you recommended, Matt, are going through an episode, you know, going through an episode and then doing a podcast on it, uh, just talking about what it was like, because that was, uh, you know, over a decade ago. So <laughs> I think it was 20 God, years it was since 20 the show years started. Ago. 
since the show started. Yeah. Yeah. And it went for nine seasons. So they just picked that up. It's just started. Uh, I'm watching it back through with them. I think it's funny. Uh, Chrissy and I have talked about it. She agrees that it was probably a, a it's probably a great show. But uh, every time I describe it, it just sounds like work. <laughs> so <laughs> we've agreed that until she retires and she's not having to, like, go live it, she doesn't have to come home from work and watch it <laughs> when she gets back. So I'm watching this one solo. And uh, I'm having fun with it because it's I'm pacing myself and just keeping up with them. And I because I I watched this show so much uh, back when it came out it's like over and over again. I'd rewatch each. I get the seasons on DVD and rewatch them. So I'm like a super fan. And it's 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 kind of a fun way to revisit it. And of course, I'm also still playing the Final Fantasy VII remake because I'm forcing myself to take my time and enjoy every bit of it. Uh, I talked about it last podcast, but it's a great game. It's still going for me, and I'm loving it. So if you like, if you like Final Fantasy, yes, this one's okay. You're safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna just second what you're saying about uh, the the Scrubs podcast and Scrubs in general. I for for similar and different reasons, I feel a lot of love for that show and I'm really enjoying their podcast. Uh, my husband was also a physician and he used to talk like one of the things we bonded over when we first started dating was his love for scrubs and my love for scrubs because he felt like it's so it's so accurately represented what the life was like for physicians, especially like in the very beginning of the show when they're all first becoming doctors, they're first starting their, you know, their residencies right. And he just he he used to always talk about how it was he he could never watch House or Grey's Anatomy or any of those other medical shows, but he really liked Scrubs because it felt like real life and it felt but like in a in a heightened entertaining kind of way. Um, but yeah, and and like you, it was just an important show for me when it was first on. We would watch those DVDs together, you and I. And the podcast so far has been really entertaining. I, I listen to it when I walk my dog. And last night I was walking Teddy at like 1130 at night, walking outside by myself, just laughing my ass off. I probably looked <laughs> like a full fledged crazy person, <laughs> nice. uh, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and you're right. It's great to relive the show through their eyes and hear really entertaining stories about their early days of acting and, you know, just story because they filmed that whole show in an actual abandoned hospital, and just hearing some of their crazy stories about filming in a hospital is like a soundstage. Awesome. It's so cool. Like everything about this podcast. Well, I, I will say this: the editing on this podcast isn't great. I don't know what's going on there, but other than I think that, they're figuring it out. They're figuring I, it out. It's getting better with each with each episode. I better. I will give you that. It is getting better with each episode. Um, as far as my recommendation for the week, I think you've recommended this before several several episodes ago. And if you haven't, if you have, I'm going to do it again. And if you haven't, we're going to do it now. Um, you just recently got me back into the new Ducktales. Uh, yes. you, you had me watch yes. one of the brand new episodes and I was like, oh, I should pick this back up again. Cause when it first came out, <laughs> I watched the first like maybe seven or eight episodes and I really enjoyed it. I just, you know, me, I, I tend to just kind of float away from things. Sometimes it's not that I like it or don't like it. It just floats away from me, but I've picked it back up again and I'm on the last episode of season one now. And it's just, it's such a charming show. And it, it's in that category of like, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Gravity Falls, like shows that are made for kids, but absolutely hold your attention as an adult. Um, and and in fact, have and lots funny. of fun references that 
only adults would get. Like in this last episode, there was a Maltese Falcon reference that like a a 10 year old kid would never understand what that is, but it's hilarious as an adult. Uh So uh, yeah, the new DuckTales, if you have Disney plus the first two seasons, full seasons are on Disney plus season three, I think is airing currently. Um, Correct. And it's just, it's a delightful little show. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's that's what we got to say. Um, yeah. Well, guys, this is the end of our outbreak episode. We're running a little longer than normal, but we also had a fabulous guest today. Uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. This was kind of fun to see what this is like live. <laughs> this is what we do. We, we sit in a room by ourselves and talk at each other. Isn't it fun? Uh, on, on this <laughs> question, how many of these episodes have you listened to? Four. Eh, that, really more than most of those four which which one like stood out to you do you have a favorite um <laughs> i just put you on the spot you don't have to you answer. totally just put me on the spot <laughs> it's Rude. fine i'll let you think about it well but thank you for being here chrissy it was really nice having you here and thank you listeners for being here um we certainly like that other people listen to this. Although I will say this, and I think Tony would agree with me. We'd probably just do this. Even if nobody listened to it. Um, If you guys (laughs) have any, that is the fallback plan. (laughs) Exactly. It's just an excuse for us to sit here and talk to each other. Um, If you guys have any uh, questions or comments about the episode, we definitely want to hear from you. Uh, We'd also love your suggestions for future episodes. Um, If there's movies that you think that you want the movie fixers to tackle, uh, you can find us online, facebook.com slash movie fixers. We have a dedicated page now. Uh, We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on Google Play Podcasts. Uh, I think there's another one that we're on that I keep forgetting and I feel bad about it. Uh, we'll definitely have links for you and you can always email us at Matt and Tony movie fixers at gmail.com. That's Matt with two T's and Tony movie fixers at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind uh, giving us a share, we really do want to grow the MFers group. We're really going to try and start cranking these out on a regular basis. Like Matt said, we just recorded one a few days ago, so we're going to try and get ahead of it. That way, once uh, things start opening up again, we've got a few in the bank and we can keep the rhythm going. So please share with your friends. If you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a review, preferably five stars. But you know what? Just be honest. We'll take it. Honestly, and, uh, five stars are nothing at all. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, if we're not five stars yet, just know that you can change it later when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's totally yeah. true. And hopefully uh, we'll have more and more people for uh, for each new fix. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. Um, Again, if you've got any suggestions for what you want to see in the future, uh, let us know on Facebook or email us. We will definitely announce it next time so that if you guys want to give us some feedback before we record, we can um, kind of answer some maybe listener questions. That's it for this week on Movie Fixers. Tune in next time. Uh, This has been Matt and Tony, and we'll see you next time. Bye.